Guys, welcome back to the catch up. Woo woo. Woo woo, y'all. This week we're gonna touch on a couple fun stories, some more fun than others. First one up, apparently some food delivery apps have been cheating its drivers of cold, hard cash. Not good. So we're gonna get into that. And on a more more fun note, we're gonna talk about nude beach. Nude Beach. Which is Food Beast's very own noodle festival. It's going to be headlined by Mr. DJ Snoopadelic. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. We promise it's going to be the best festival experience of your life. And more after the jump. Welcome to the catch up. Introducing your hosts, Eli Aruth. Editor and Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. All right, Jeff, let's start with some fun, bro. How excited are you for Nude Beach? Well, I'm, I'm excited for a couple of reasons, but the major reason that I'm excited at all is because there's a lot of new territory that we're exploring as a festival. Um, and what so, you mean? What you mean? I mean... The past, so we've thrown three noodle festivals, um, nudes, 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 Orange County a couple of times, um, and then we also did Oakland last year, and we've had really fun activations at the events. I mean, um, we've had art in the past. Um, we've had huge gaming activations. We're a big part of those, so next door to you know the esports arena throwing some of the largest smash brother tournaments ever thrown um i had you know probably dozens of people come up to me after that festival not realizing live tournament gaming when you're watching professionals of that caliber how fun it really is to watch part of that was probably the infrastructure um Huge screens, like great sound, the best players in the world. I mean, I think it was all top 10 gamers in Smash Brothers were, were at our tournament flying in from all parts of the country. And so that was great. But uh, a new frontier for us is combining both the food and the live music aspect of festival culture and... And yeah, man, I mean, you mentioned on, on, on the top, I mean, DJ Snoopadelic, Snoop Dogg headlining our festival, uh, that's pretty wild in itself. Yeah. Um, we have E-40. Bro, E-40 and, dude, have you, I started listening to Dash Berlin again, uh-huh. which is Jeffrey Sutorius now, but Jeffrey Sutorius, aka Dash Berlin. Yo, his music is hype. It's so good. Like, that's kind of been, at least... Our dream was we threw these noodle festivals. We always had the support of amazing restaurants doing unique items at the, like that was the entry to mm-hmm. get into our festival and vend at our festivals. You just had to come and have fun. Like this is your chance to do something off menu. 
and have a great time. Like there's pizza joints that are doing noodle dishes. We're going to get into everything that they're doing. But it is now one thing that we couldn't get a grasp on is how do we do these festivals? And thousands of you guys came out to these festivals. It was awesome. We did the one in Santa Ana, one in Oakland. They had like 5,000 people a piece coming to these things. And one thing we always wanted to do is can we have really good live music at these things and we couldn't we just did it wasn't in our wheelhouse to do so and then we also our pipe dream at least mine was we talked about it a little bit is i wanted to throw something at the beach it's like we're we're based out of orange county we talk about everything around the globe but our home base is here in orange county we have beautiful beaches like why aren't there more festivals like right on the water and sure enough through some new partners that we have nude beach has kind of emerged out of it's, it's manifested man and it's manifested um in a way that you know i think we we could we could imagine it you know i think we've always wanted elements that make people excited uh beyond the food itself because as much as we're completely ecstatic about food and that's the basis of why we do these things is that you know after eating for a couple of hours you're full and you want, you're already there with your friends. And if there's something to an experience together and lengthen your experience, I think that's what we were specifically looking for. And the fact that we're lengthening the experience with a world touring EDM DJ acclaim with Dash Berlin, Jeffrey Satorius. I mean, the fact that E40 is in the building. Suckles hella jealous because they're digging me. <laughs> Damn, where the fuck did that go? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And we basically just want people to stay at the festival. Longer. Yeah, we just want to like, stay stay with us, hang out with us. And now I think we really, really have it. But man, every year, man, the food also just keeps getting better, crazier, more innovative. Like it's can we jump right into? We food? should jump into the food that's going to be available at Nude Beach September first. Yeah. Huntington Beach, California. If you're in El- if you're in Southern California or beyond, this is going to be the place to be. Come hang out with us guys. We're going to drop the we're going to drop discount codes throughout this. If you go and buy it nude-beach.com. That's where you can get your tickets. Use code foodbeast3. Foodbeast3 will get you guys $10 off GA. I think it also does it for VIP as well. So, we'll tell you about the two tiers. But I got to talk about every vendor that comes in, they're going to be bringing really dope, unique items that you can only get at the festival. And they'll also have some of their own iconic menu items that they're selling. One I'm really excited about, it's a new concept, but I promise you they're going to blow up. It's called the Golden Marrow. Okay. Have you heard of this? You I heard mean, a little they're, bit. They're the bone marrow concept. It's literally a concept that only serves bone marrow. So the bone chopped in half, and then they have savory bone marrow and dessert bone marrow. Like, Do you remember in New York? Which one? When we were in New York, we did a bone. We ate bone marrow and then took a oh, the shot. Luge. Of the yes. bone marrow luge in New York. Yes. That was... That was one of those experiences that was pretty visceral to me because we're eating, we're having good, and this was at Jeepney, New York, yep. but we're eating, we're having a good time. We eat this bone marrow, but we're sitting at the bar 
And then our yes. bartender immediately was like, well, you're going to take a shot out of the bone marrow, right? And we kind of looked at each other, and I believe it was both of our first bone marrow luge. So ever since then, I mean, my girlfriend's also upset. I mean, bone marrow, if you haven't had it, is the most umami, savory thing you've ever eaten. And the fact that we have a vendor that's like dedicated to marrow, like that all they serve is cut bones with roasted bone marrow in their different styles. And of course, topped on top of noodles. I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah, like I hadn't had bone marrow before that moment. So you guys haven't had it. Don't worry. You're going to get to try it here. But usually if you go to a, a frilly restaurant or whatever, they might have one item on the menu that has bone marrow. And it's exactly what you might think. It's a bone split right down the middle and the marrow of the bone is still right in the middle and you scoop it out with a nice spoon. These guys have gone a step further and basically they roast all these bone marrows on a grill and an open fire grill and then they top it with different things. Like they have a garlic lovers one. They got one with bacon jam on it and like you just go nuts. And so I'm really excited about Golden Marrow. They're pop-up only. So they're, it's one of the only places to get it is at our festival. And New they're doing Beach. a dessert marrow. Yo, it's like, like what, does that, what does that even mean? And the only reason why, at first, I think a lot of people might be like dessert bone marrow because they've mm-hmm. only had it in a savory option. But marrow is so fatty or seemingly fatty and buttery that like I feel I don't know man I'm gonna I'm gonna try a couple of the I'm definitely gonna try dessert because that's just I mean that's one of the main reasons we created this festival we when we were looking at food festivals in the in the landscape you know there's a lot of chef driven a lot of personality driven stuff and that's cool but we wanted to focus on food and then itself and exclusive food that you could only get at our festivals and i love the lens that we've been able to put on it because yeah there's a dessert bone marrow at our festival like yeah. that's exactly the steez that i wanted to bring um when we brainstormed events and i tried to convince you to do them five years ago <laughs> we'll talk about that more later but yeah okay so another item i'm super freaking hyped about i actually got to try this one because it was on the shoe sea legs okay okay they're doing a spicy curry noodle dish that gets served out of a coconut coconut curry yeah so it's vegetarian right because <laughs> there's a, a massive a massive prawn that sits on top and like I'm talking like it's the size of a lobster tail. Wait, what do you mean? You said it was vegetarian? Wait, what? I don't know. What's Oh, it's pescatarian. Pescatarian. Don't like, listen what? to my dietary like, suggestions, Hey, man, y'all. this is super vegetarian, and they throw a giant prawn on top. And steak. <laughs> no, but what I was surprised about the, uh, the prawn was it was actually big. When, fucking huge. When Omar, the guy, guy from Sea Legs, mentioned to us... We're going to get a giant prawn. I was like, how, like, but how big? And then when I saw you guys in the video put it on the flat top, I was like, oh shit, these prawns are actually legitimately big. They're huge. They're, they're like, huge. A, they're like a four bite prawn is what I was like, feel oh, like easy. I was looking at. Easy. And that's for like our size mouth. Imagine like someone a little smaller. They, it's going to take them five or six bites to get to the bottom of this prawn. So, and it's, so it's the, the 
the coconut gets chopped open and split in half and then they use the milk from the coconut to as part of the curry base so it's like everything gets used. It's whole, like, people ask me, why is it in a coconut? Like, why is it not in a coconut? That's fucking amazing. <laughs> You're all asking about like sustainability. Like we're using the whole coconut. It's amazing. You can walk away with it. It's going to be branded. It's just a good time. Like that's exactly the kind of dish that should be eaten at the beach out of a coconut. And so kind of the visual aesthetic of it is it kind of looks, uh, it looks like a drink. It looks like a, a nice tropical drink, but it's actually just all savory noodles. And it's going to come in two varieties. Uh, one that's a little spicy, not not crazy. It's just a little more tame. And they have one that will blow your mouth <laughs> off. Like seriously, don't eat it if you're like not ready for like a hot one style challenge. It's that, it's that, that spicy. Because you eat spice. You just, it was hot. I mean, you completed the hot sauce challenge at halal guys yep. where they it's like what 20 lines of red sauce yeah it's it? hot man it, it was hot so so the noodle dish that they're bringing it's like that level of hot because the hot it's, sauce at halal guys I, I don't super fuck with i i put a couple of drops mix it in real yeah. well but anymore i'm feeling it so compare it to that level of spicy it's not that level of spicy it's more evenly distributed so with the the red sauce from halal guys it's um it's hot and if you put too much it starts dulling the flavor and that's not what you want sure uh but with with this dish it's just evenly distributed really 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 hot spicy noodles so if you're into that that dish is completely free if you're in vip it's one of those vendors where you can go up and if you're in the VIP area of this, which the VIP is a good time to talk about it. In the VIP section, you get free beers up until a certain point. And then you also get this dish. There's going to be some, there's a few other vendors that might be giving away stuff in VIP. Yeah. We'll announce those later. And then you also get primo look at the stage. Like you don't have to like fight your way to the front. You can be eating all this stuff, drinking all you want, and then looking right at Snoop Dogg, at Dash Berlin, at all the new acts that are there, E40, like it's a vibe. Like you might as well get that, you get that dish, share it with the friend and then go, go party. Also, there's private restrooms in the VIP, which is actually like my most important thing. I'm gonna take a shit in that <laughs> restroom for sure. For sure I'm doing that. Eli, can I, t can I tell you about what like I think my favorite item that I'm looking forward to is? Go for it. So... For anyone that's listening from the Bay Area, if you were at Nudes Oakland last year, uh, we had a Korean tapas, a Korean fried chicken spot called Aria. I love this that, place so much. That created um, a pretty crazy KFC cup noodle, like KFC, Korean fried chicken cup noodle dish. And this year they're bringing bulgogi asada oh chow mein thick cut noodles fuck man. our man charlie kim is a g they are literally driving their shit down they they did they loved the nudes oakland experience so much that we didn't even we didn't even ask them we we didn't even expect that they would show up because we it's far yeah and then they saw us post and said, we're going to drive our team down there. So we have a San Francisco exclusive coming to nudes. And it happens to be Bulgogi Asada Chow Mein. Like that's... That sounds so good. I actually sounds, didn't know that was the item. Yeah. 
That's incredible. So I love a Korean, Korean marinated, but cut up like a sada style in your in your thick cut noodle chow mein. I was <sighs> he they they ideated that item on the fly, and I was like, "This is it. This, <laughs> this is you it. Got, you got it. Like you <sighs> bring it, bring in magic." And if if anyone out there is, you know, I pre- I, want, I appreciate the culinary arts. Are there any notable chefs and restaurants participating? Yo, yeah, we got you too. Straight from the Tenderloin, San Francisco. <laughs> We got Korean bulgogi chow mein. That's Welcome to I, Nude that's Beach. That's not what I was that's talking what you were about. Going I was definitely oh, transitioning to the next one. I was definitely <laughs> transitioning into a, a higher end chef driven concept. But I fuck with that. I know who you're about to talk about. So, so we that. have Michelin Bib Gourmand LSXO. Okay. Out of Huntington Beach in their hometown. Mm. If you guys don't know about LSXO. It's a it's a newer like a year plus old restaurant in Huntington Beach, but it's a like Vietnamese hip hop speakeasy restaurant behind the main restaurant of Blue Gold in this brand new shopping district in Huntington Beach. So Vietnamese speakeasy stuff like Snoop is playing while you eat and they do these craft Vietnamese takes. It's some of the best food I've ever eaten. They're bringing lemon grass beef and curried prawn vermicelli so i'm i'm super excited for those basically surf and turf vietnamese noodles not, not that they would call that that but like food beast would call it that yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh and yeah man we so we have restaurants from really all different sides of the spectrum and that's i think when we when we decided to build these festivals, we wanted to be inclusive and include casual concepts that don't really get to partake in the food and wine festivals of the world because they don't bring prestige or don't have tablecloths or aren't at a certain price point. And so as much as we wanted to be inclusive to them and the casual concepts and focus on the food, I'm also really excited that there's people that fuck with us on the other end of that spectrum too. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I just want to be representative of all the food that we're able to eat. Yo, let's talk about this concept called Leah's Lumpia. <laughs> Yo, I'm fucking hyped for this one. So it's a San Diego based Lumpia concept. And again, they only do Lumpia. Like, so Lumpia, the Filipino egg roll for, for lack of better terms, but all my Filipino family out there listening, like these guys do lumpias of all varieties. They have mac and cheese lumpia, adobo chicken stuffed lumpia. They have buffalo chicken lumpia. So they're coming and they're bringing, they're, they're going to surprise us. Half of our team right now is in San Diego filming with them. You want to know what they're filming? What are they filming? Pork belly ramen lumpia. Oh so this God. is the first time I've ever heard of noodles inside your lumpia and of course in addition to that some nice tender pork belly that that's definitely it's so food beast in nature because again a lot of times where we try not to you know concepts come to us and be like hey what should i do and we go well look this is a noodle based event but we really try not to step on toes and force people to do stuff that isn't in their wheelhouse. And so when they come to us with ideas like we're going to integrate noodles in it and we think it's going to work, 
that's what gets like gets my gears going gets me like really excited oh my god oh man okay one because i was talking to these guys personally i've been following them on instagram this place called nitrolato yeah nitrolato nitrolato anyways uh they are doing something it's a ramen donut it's savory savory ramen donut i don't know how they make it i don't know how they get it to be in a circle (laughs) but like i'm so fucking excited we posted about it a while ago and i've been meaning to like check it out but what they're doing is basically this is imagine something that just looks like a crispy donut and as soon as you break it in half it's cheese and ramen filled inside and they're going to come with a bunch of different varieties of it they call it a doodle nut which i just like saying how do you how do you feel about that is he is he still here too producer is he yo what up guys doodle nut will you have it at the festival i'm super down for a doodle nut doodle nut like can we just say it? i was like doodle nut i so we actually executed a ramen donut of our own i don't know six years back or however long it was but it was it was the noodles were boiled in horchata and Mm. they were like made into like a sweet donut and they were awesome so when they said ramen donut i was like oh cool how are they gonna make it different they're bringing four different style doodle nuts to nude beach the first one being a balinese style with Balinese braised chicken. Fuck. The second being a Gundam style <laughs> with spicy ramen, bacon, kimchi, chili sauce. Opa. The third being Tokyo style with Ichiban ramen, cheese, sukiyaki beef, pickled rac- radish, and furikake. And then they to round it up, they have a Hawaiian style with his ramen, cheese, spam, pineapple, and okonomiyaki sauce. God. Japanese mayo for a kake. So they're they're not only just bringing a doodle nut, they are bringing four flavors of ramen donuts to the table. Yo, he he dude, we 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 should give them a few more. Yeah. I want to ruin the whole thing for them, but a few more. So show me nudes. Fantastic concept. One of the co-owners of it is Andy Nguyen, friend of the podcast, co-owner of After's Ice Cream and, and all, all this good noise. They're bringing two big things I want to talk about. One is they have something called a jiggling ramen. And the jiggling ramen is this cold ramen dish that's served in what can be best described as like a boba teacup. The, like, video, start, the video starts by seeing the, the machine that you used to see at, at boba shops that puts the lid on your cup Mm -hmm. it it was kind of a mind fuck because i'm as i'm watching the video i'm like i know this machine but i've never seen a savory dish enter this machine yeah and i was like oh shit this is like just a different type of vessel for this dish yeah and then so that that in that jiggle ramen just you guys know so it's topped with it's beautiful ramen noodles in there and then there's fried gar garlic i do that every time i hear garlic Sauteed red cabbage, shredded carrots, green onion, red radish, shredded nori, roasted chashu pork. Like it's, it's incredible. Then you shake it to get everything together and then you puncture it with your chopsticks and you go to town. Like that's a pretty fun festival food. They really nailed that one. Like perfect thing to walk around with, watch Snoop. But they're also doing something. It's a challenge. It's a 20 pound bowl of ramen. And I had a pound of it because it's, it's an inc- I just wanted to taste it. So I thought I figured a pound was adequate. Dude, it's really, 
really good ramen. Is that 20, 20 pounds? Is that with broth? With broth. With broth. So it's, uh, it's, it's almost like 10 servings of noodles, uh, over a half gallon of the broth, the toppings. It's like two different uh, soft-boiled eggs on top. You got all the pork. It's a, it's a real deal, holy field ramen dish. When you're looking, what do they serve that in? A 20 pound ceramic bowl or whatever the however much it weighs the, the bowl is a giant ceramic bowl so at the festival you can experience this in two ways if you want to watch someone else eat this on stage they're actually sponsoring our eating competition with six competitive eaters and so it's the first of the competitive eaters to finish if they can this 20 pound bowl of ramen on stage if you want to go to their booth you can experience it you pay for it but if you win if you finish the bowl they're giving out some crazy crazy prizes like worth it to try that's how dope these prizes are no way they're okay uh i actually and i'm not just like faking this i don't know i actually don't know what the prizes are but for me to even look at thinking of ordering something like that it would would have to be a lot so what are they I don't, I, I don't want to sp- speak for them yet because they're going to announce it on their own social media what they're going to do. But like, let's say this isn't it. Let's say, would you try it for like to win a Nintendo Switch? To I give, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, but like to honest. give to a give to a family <laughs> member that loves Nintendo and doesn't have one. But yet. I also know that my, I would never be able to finish it. So I think the Nintendo Switch is something where if I have like the capacity, mm. I'm, I'm definitely thinking about it more. I would jump into a bowl of ramen <laughs> and slurp my way out for a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> right, Izzy? Bro, you can give me the Switch if you don't want it, Jeff. <laughs> I know oh. you love me like that. So let me do a few notes. I know we talked about some vendors, but we do have... I mean, we do, we will have over 20 vendors. Mm-hmm. So Slapfish is going to be in attendance. Yeah. Brown Butter Lobster Bucatini. Oh, yeah. We have the OG Nudes Legends Mess Hall Canteens mm-hmm. coming out with Calbee brisket garlic noodles. And they're also going to be due kind of like an elevated hamache, hamachi crudo soba noodle. We've got Miss Mini Donuts. If you follow us on Instagram, you've seen us cover this concept. They're so cute. Super they're- cute mini donuts. But they're actually doing ice cream noodles mm. on top of their mini donuts. That's fun. Coconut truck is coming with b- black garlic noodles with black garlic confit. Mm. We've got ramen grilled cheese. We've got tons of tons of other stuff coming. But that's the snapshot right now, man. And it's, I mean, as of the recording of this podcast, we're essentially 30 days away Mm -hmm. and i don't think our vendor lineup has been this set (laughs) this early this this early which doesn't sound that early but man it takes a lot to get these vendors in and going and because we work we like to work with the vendors on making sure not only are they going to come with the items that everyone knows from their menus but what are they going to bring that's new and fun and easy to eat on the beach and just a good time so you guys Come hang out with us. Come hang out with us. Again, if you want tickets, jump over to nude-beach.com. Nudebeach.com. Uh, use code FOODBEAST3. Only you guys here on the catch-up are going to get this code. It's FOODBEAST3. It's 10 bucks off. 
uh, general admission. It's 10 bucks off VIP if you want that. Either way, it's a good time. Either way, you get to see all the music. You get access to Food Beast Village, which I'll have more information on in the coming weeks. But a quick snapshot is there's going to be a chef showdown between two chefs. Most everyone coming to this festival knows they're going to be battling live. You get to handicap them in a way that's a la chopped, but you control them through your phone. It's going to be some wild shit. There's going to be a mukbang booth, which is going to be ill, and you guys can come in there and slurp some noodles and be live on our live streams. Uh, There's going to be some fun vendors inside Food Beast Village that are just trying some weird, wacky stuff. It's a good, good time. And did I mention you guys are going to be in the sand looking at water during this thing like it's fucking cool it's cool i'm i'm really excited to usually i'm more stressed about going to our events i'm really excited as like someone who's going to be attending this nude beach event i mean it's also a an infrastructure we've never had before uh you know the biggest piece of feedback that we got from our our nudes festival last year was hey we want more space we want more vendors and and so we wanted to make sure when we when we threw our next event that we did that. So, I mean, with the esports arena and nudes, 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 we looked up like in total about twenty five thousand square feet. And yeah, it got really packed, especially at the nighttime when everyone was trying to vibe out. We now have a hundred and fifty thousand square feet of space mm-hmm. across across Huntington Beach, and I mean. We're working with a production team to produce a, a festival stage. It's hype, bro. It's yeah. I mean, I I'm at a loss because I'm really excited for it, and we're excited to share that experience with you guys. If you guys have any questions, if you guys want to be a part of the eating competitions, if you want to do it, DM us, email us, info at foodbeast.com. Answer all your questions, but. We, we hope to see you there on the Sunday, September 1st of Labor Day weekend, uh, 12 p.m. to late. Yeah. So till they kick us out. So, so come hang. Till the police shut that shit down. You feel it? Is he excited? Yo, man. I'm super excited for everything, the food, the events and everything. But as a hip hop head, mm. just knowing that Snoop Dogg and E-40 are going to be there. Like we mentioned it really casually, like, oh, yeah, that's our boy Snoop. He's going to roll through. And uh, <laughs> I don't know Snoop at all. <laughs> as part of our deal, I'm not allowed to talk to Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> like as someone who like religiously has grown up with hip hop, every time in the office, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, so Snoop Dogg, we're going to put him in here and whatever. And I'm like, y'all just casually throwing Snoop's name around. This S-N-O-O-P-D-O-G is going to be at our festival. Like he's literally the person is going to be there like it's just it just blows my mind on top of everything else that's going on yeah i'm ex- i'm excited hope you guys are too hope to see you guys there let's get into some shit that kind of makes me feel weird jeff yo it makes me feel weird too i'm not gonna <laughs> lie it just does <laughs> i'm like th- and that was probably said weird because i'm thinking i'm thinking about it a bit nebulously but like i have friends that have driven uber that they have driven for the food side of whether that's Uber Eats or Postmates or DoorDash. And outside of being flexible and some money in a pinch, at least on the food, the restaurant delivery side, uh, I haven't heard a lot of positive things. Um, 
And I definitely feel some type of way about it. And so, you know, when you guys brought up the report um, related to um, DoorDash potentially not giving the full value of tips to its drivers. uh, That shit pissed me so much off. It makes me feel some, some type of way, man. And... Because as a customer, and I don't use delivery services a lot, I feel like I, th- I feel like you kind of pay a premium, and then on top of that, you know, I like eating food hot, and I would rather cook my own food for an hour than like wait an hour theoretically. But but yeah, I still use them regularly, and uh, to kind of think that. You know, the two, three, four dollars of whatever my order was when I push that tip button isn't going into the pocket of that person that waited in line, picked up my food and drove it 15 miles back and forth to get it to me. Um, so at the root of this conver- controversy, let's let's figure this out. The root of the controversy was that there was an expose about DoorDash uh, from The New York Times that basically unveiled that there was some big inconsistencies in DoorDash's tipping policy. That there was a base pay rate that a driver gets, which is seven bucks. But if we tipped as a customer that uses DoorDash, that went towards the base pay. And thus, not all of our tip was going to the driver. It it was no longer a tip. So it, we were Do- subsidizing Door- DoorDash would replace that tip as a subsidized wage to hit their $7 guarantee that they were promising drivers. And so I believe the DoorDash CEO came out, responded to this after enough backlash and their justification of it was, hey, 15% or so of DoorDash customers don't tip. So this $7 base is mainly for the driver so they can have $7 if you don't tip. Which is kind of a fucked response. Like, like, come on. He didn't account for the other 85% of people who do tip. And again, I've, I've kind of expressed how I felt about it in the past. I still think like the whole tipping policy. I, I also, full disclosure, don't think this economy of things like DoorDash, Uber Eats, uh, Postmates is a financially viable business with human drivers. I just don't. I just don't think it's financially viable. So a, a, a minimum wage of fifteen bucks. Let's think about it for a second. A minimum wage of fifteen dollars per hour to a driver. If the average Postmates, DoorDash, Uber Eats trip takes what? 30, would you say 30 to 60 minutes for a driver? Let's just call that somewhat of an average. Imagine if your delivery fee was always $15 just to break even with the company. One, I would not be using those apps as much. I wouldn't be paying 15 bucks delivery fee. That's enough to get me off my ass, my lazy ass and go get the food myself. So if that's enough, that's the break even point. It's not financially viable to have drivers do, human drivers doing this. So I think this whole system is just set up to just bridge the gap until there's driverless cars or 
and then they just they're autonomously driving and the restaurant can drop the food off in the car the car drives it to your house and you don't have to pay a human for the in-between that's the only financial viable model i see and i haven't been presented by one from any of these major tech companies we're getting this food this cheap on the delivery end even from the companies, and again, I don't know the policies of Uber Eats, I don't know the policies of Postmates, any of that stuff, but let's say they treat their drivers well. Let's just say they do. I don't know if they do. The reason why they can pay them at all is from deep-pocketed venture capital money. So people in Silicon Valley investing millions and billions of dollars to keep these companies afloat, to fund this model long enough for driverless cars to be a thing, and they don't need the humans anymore. So I think what we're talking about right now, all this in between, which I do think is fascinating and we'll talk about it, it's just bullshit until they don't need you, the driver, the person that's working really hard to get you there. I just don't see a world where you need that driver in the future. Yeah, and it's happening at a time too where more, I mean, more and more technology is obviously taking away jobs right i mean there are there are even candidates for president kind of specifically posturing on on that alone um and and why i mentioned that is i think we it'd be different if we weren't staring at the face of driverless cars and driverless technology and politicians weren't you know if they weren't talking about how in many states, truck drivers and drivers in general make up a huge part of uh, of their of their job economy. And so again, this so it's all coming at this time where more than ever, executives of this company, if they had an opportunity to make a switch to the technology without drivers, they would do so instantaneously. But we're in this weird middle ground where the technology is somewhat on the horizon and so because it's on the horizon no ceo wants to pay drivers more than minimum wage theoretically and in fact they're creating models where you don't make minimum wage at all dependent on the circumstances so Yes, if you're a gig economy driver, if you're a gig economy person, you already know that you're getting 1099. You're going to pay 35 to 40% depending on where you are, but like 35 40% in 1099 taxes after you collect anything that you get. Um, but you're also trying like they're going to try to replace you as soon as possible. So no, y'all are gone. It's, it's going to be gone. You're gonna be, and so you're literally just fixing the gap in between for this technology to work itself out, which means you're going to be treated like shit because they're trying to replace you as fast as they can. It's just that you are the necessary component for this business model to exist right now. I almost feel like a, that's a good point because I feel like all of the policy that like these big tech companies have to deal with right now, it's like almost like a waste of time because all you're doing, like the policy is not going to be applicable in a couple of years. Like, yeah, fine, we'll fight with you and we'll work out some policy right now because they know that like, yo, in two years, like Tesla's drive themselves. Tesla's become Ubers. 
Like that's in Tesla's business plan that in the future, in a couple years, if not sooner than that, when you own a Tesla and you park it in your driveway at night, you can turn on a feature where the Tesla will back out of your driveway and go pick up other drivers for you and become a self-driving Uber owned by Tesla and make you the owner of the Tesla money. It'll split, it'll split the, the revenue with the owner of the Tesla and Tesla. Like it's not built. None of these are built to make money right now. They're, they're the biggest example of it is Uber, right? They own Uber Eats. It's probably the biggest example of gig economy in transportation. Uber in 2018 lost. They had an operating loss of $3 billion. That's the best, most primo example of a company at its highest efficiency in delivering food to your doorstep. They lost $3 billion. That's not a business model. That's just venture capital money making it cheap for us to get dope food to our house. The, I'm venturing to say a lot of that money is in wages going out. And they, when they see that, like, oh shit, you know who's cheaper than $3 billion in wages going out the window? A car that I don't pay again. I pay it once and I have it. And then eventually when they're electric cars, you're not even paying gas prices. Like it's over. These companies don't make money now. They're going to they're going to make money eventually and it's going to pinch out people in the process. That's why it's almost silly to talk about the policy and the nickel and diming of tipping and stuff on drivers right now because it's like if you see even a little bit of the big picture, it's like we're going to look back on this conversation and be like, "Why the fuck were you guys talking about tipping? You don't tip the computer." Yeah. And why I think it's important and why the fundamental reason why I'm interested in this subject is that real people trying to make it are in the fucking crosshairs because yes, the gig economy has made it easier in some aspect to potentially get a job of some kind potentially without with or potentially with less qualifications than normal, right? Because if you pass a background check, have a car more or less less than 10 years old and have the time you know these companies want to want to use your services essentially and you know i mean there's a lot of stories you hear riding in the back of uber drivers where you know they wouldn't be there if they didn't need to be there and this is an option for them and so i think an option is better than no option, theoretically. But man, there's a lot of people putting up with a lot of bullshit for what ends up being... It could be a net loss to you. And I, and I think that's, that's the fucking crazy part is when you sell, when you sell wages as a way to quote, like earn money, right? And you're selling it We've all seen the billboard. We've all seen the mall signs. We've all seen the search ads. We've all seen the Instagram ads where earn something like $15 an hour driving Uber or for Uber Eats or whatever. But what that does not include are the taxes you're going to pay on it. It doesn't include the things like gas you need to put in your vehicle to even make sure your job that you can earn what you can earn. Um, and then on top of that, the biggest thing that people don't consider, and I've been 
yelling at this for years is like you are depreciating your vehicle to the nth degree. When you put 200,000 miles on your car in a given year, your car is worth close to nothing in a few years. I wonder if people go into debt over Uber. I mean, like think the lease, pro- they have lease programs. So you don't have a car, no worries. Get you pre-approved for a lease. We'll get you a car that you have to pay for monthly because it's your car now on a lease for three years that you probably, you couldn't afford a car before. So now you're gonna make $15 an hour from Uber. Any profit that you made is probably gonna go back to paying off your lease. You're paying for your gas. You're a contractor to Uber. You're not an employee. So in layman's terms, you don't get any of the benefits of being an employee. You don't get healthcare. You don't get anything like that. And so at the end of the day, if you made $15 an hour times the nine hours you may have driven for Uber, then cool. What did your gas cost? What did you do that? Did you have to buy your own health insurance because you're a contractor? And again, like the argument from Uber is like, well, these are jobs you didn't have before. So like take it or leave it. And they... To an extent, that's how they're pushing forward because they also know, hey, by the time anyone figures out this policy, the cars are going to drive themselves. Like, that's why this always goes back to like, fucking figure it out. Like, we're going to push forward very, very fast. And while you guys fight about policy, it doesn't matter. The cars will drive themselves in a couple years and all this bullshit that you're talking about won't matter. That's that's crazy because, first of all, as much as we can all see the technology... We could all see VR. We could all see AR. And the bubbles that those have been in regards to seeing the technology and being like, oh, shit. Yeah, well, if I do have glasses on and I overlay the Yelp reviews of this restaurant row while I'm walking, like, that's amazing because I don't have to pull out my phone. I can just look at a restaurant and be like, oh, shit, this is a three and a half star. Oh, wait. No one likes to wear those fucking glasses. So none of that ever happened. I mean, when you look at the news report of a single person dying in a Uber automated car crash in Arizona, and it was across the front page of every news establishment ever is like, that's what you're dealing with is the perception of cars have been around for so long that like there are, I don't know the numbers, I'm assuming it to be hundreds of thousands of deaths a year in automobiles of some kind that we all just write off because it's like, oh, yeah, like even though the the highest probability of you dying today is stepping into your own vehicle and going into work, we write it off because we understand it. And then there's a single death with an, with an automated car and it's like, oh, fuck, no. The machines uh, have turned on us. Yeah, We're exactly. going to die. And that and and that's what we're gonna have to overcome. The government is gonna have to pass rules and regulations. You know, there's as much as we see it. Like, how many years can you operate at a three billion dollar loss while you're waiting for the technology, while you're waiting for the regulation? And in the meantime, like again, this is to your argument, Eli, is that. Yeah. Oh, our drivers want to want to unionize and oh yeah, they want to be employees. Well, by the time this figures itself out, we're going to be automated until it's not. And then that's, you know, until it's not. And so I think that's a that's a plan that will work toward your valuation. Um, but if it doesn't work out in the meantime, there's hundreds of thousands of people that 
I think kind of feel like shit for being used and being duped. And I do think they're being duped because we, I mean, we talked to someone, worked at Food Beast, who delivered food. And the first thing he talks about is you can't just turn on a food delivery app when you want to work because the demand isn't there. Mm. So interesting. You oh, so you work a nine to five and you want to like, cool. I'm gonna do some delivery a couple hours before I get in. He was, and again, it's gonna be seasonal. It'll be based on the metropolitan you live in, etc. But he was saying I couldn't make, make a living wage early in the morning because there's no demand. So even if you have the time and you're registered and you're willing if there's no demand there there's no guarantee so you know i think that's what was kind of crazy about it to me is that theoretically you could make 15 dollars an hour but if you sit with the app on waiting for orders that don't come that's zero that's zero dollars an hour and that doesn't mean you didn't put yourself in the position a lot time and spend time or even spend gas while you're trying to do that. Um, so that was one of the first things that kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh shit. So he, he said he would work from around 5 p.m. up until midnight or something like that. And he would try to hang out in upper echelon cities and or near universities where there was more traction. But for whatever reason, if there happens to be a lot of drivers in the area or um, if there's less demand for any specific reason, he was driving 20 miles from his house to go to these better serving areas that have more orders. Um, And, you know, and he did a report for us where there are times when he's making... $7.46 $7.46 an hour. There are times when he's making $9.25 an hour. There's times where he made $8.72 an hour. And that does not include taxes, gas, Jesus, depreciation of your vehicle. Yeah, you're fucking, if, you, if you're going out there and you're making that, you are going into debt by using these services. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't, be on the plus side depending on your metro depending on how good you are because that that was that was the next thing he's like to make to make it closer to a livable wage he'd have to stack orders how do you do that can you do that so i don't uh, you book your next order while it's something yeah that i think he described it as him choosing and again i don't this specific app he was talking about was postmates and it was also two years ago. So that's for context. So slight inflation and the app is changed better since and then. stuff like that. Yeah. But he was saying that he would have to accept an order and then do his best to try to accept a second order somewhere in the vicinity that he so at least he could get two orders an hour. And so if we're if we're using the base rate of DoorDash, different platform, but they talked about a seven dollar delivery. You need about two orders an hour before you can make something close to a California minimum wage, right? Which is right around 12 bucks. So that's what he was shooting for. So at any given time, 
while he's working, he's also trying to not only get to a certain order and deliver, but to figure out what that second order is at the same time, um, which is, and again, and if you're trying to be more aggressive than that, two or three orders at a time, like I could see that building from a stress level for multiple reasons. One, oh, you've never been to a restaurant that you're picking up from? Cool, so you don't know where to park? Great, you don't know where to like pick up the actual delivery? Like these are all things that are real that we've all experienced if you drive, but aren't you're now on a clock for all the for all those things. Restaurant messed up your order, you're on the clock, right? And so yeah, man, there's a lot of things that kind of go into this this serving restaurant delivery game. Um so I makes- haven't seen a model I liked on that end, but there's a model that I have seen. Have you heard of this company called GoPuff? I have not. So GoPuff it, they're they're trying to become like the Uber of convenience stores. So their their model is you need anything within 30 minutes that you would normally get at a convenience store. They targeted like college students that, you know, might be partying at night. I need a condom or I need a Gatorade or I need toothpick, whatever. I need it really fast. I need it 30 minutes. You go on this GoPuff app, you order it and it shows up in your house in 30 minutes. They're, the way their model differs, they own the inventory. So they have warehouses with convenience store things in it. So thus they can kind of make a better margin on the actual inventory because they don't have to go buy it from at 7-Eleven at retail and pay four bucks for Q-tips and then charge the customer this, that. Or and they can better control, I feel, they can better control the wages for their employees because they just have one person who waits until maybe five orders are fulfilled. They leave the warehouse at a certain time and then they deliver it. And so that person can like, all right, cool. We know every driver is going to make $15 an hour. We know if they go out with five things in their delivery that will make it back. And that's a, that's a model I feel good about funding and supporting and knowing that. But I felt so weird over the years supporting like Amazon's grocery pilots. I felt weird about supporting Uber Eats, mainly because these are companies with billions of dollars of money and I have to tip. Like I, ha- even before, and this was when I thought the tip was actually going to the driver. This is when I thought the drivers actually made minimum wage and then the tip on top was going into their pockets. And in all honesty, and I don't feel great about it, I still felt weird tipping because I thought that should come from the almost trillion dollar corporations that are Amazon and Uber. I thought they should. Why do I, who has no equity, no stock, nothing in Amazon, why would I pay a tip? Why would I tip the driver that you should be paying well that's bringing stuff from the Amazon warehouse? Like, I I'll, I still do not feel right about that. And I'm sorry if you drive Amazon, you do all that. Like, Amazon should be paying that because that means you're betting on the customer to invest in your infrastructure. I mean, if the immediate comp is when John from FedEx or Steve from UPS comes to our office and delivers that package, yo, thanks, Steve, here's five bucks, appreciate you, thanks for keeping my goods, right? We don't do that. That's not built into the culture that I was raised up in. There are a dozen different things that I do tip, and there are do- and then there are hundreds more where I don't, and if you aren't raised or aren't built to be in a culture of tipping, 
it's it's a choice, right? And so do I tip the uh, person at the airport that takes my bags for because I get to skip a line on the inside, like the porter? Like I do. I watch my parents tip that guy. I tip that guy. You know, do I tip the pizza man when he delivers food? Like I do because that's what I was raised on and that's what I do. But now if you're because just because it's the gig economy and someone's delivering your package, right? Like, well, what's the difference between UPS and a DoorDash guy outside of, well, the UPS driver is an employee. The the employee has a union that makes that job into a wage that he wants to stay in, you know, but we're getting to a point in our algorithmic based society where every dollar can be squeezed people everyone knows when they invest in companies the people in those companies are the most expensive part of your investment they're always the most expensive part why because theoretically they'll always be there every 15 days you're cutting them wages and so more and more companies are trying to like, nah, we're going to we're going to squeeze this as far as it can go to try to innovate as fast as we can. And what we're losing in the process is like, yo, these are fucking people. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard. And we and uh, Eli, we deal with this at our company. We want to try to pay as best wages as we can without taking on a crazy amount of debt that we personally owe. And and we do that to the best of our ability. But we will don't have the capital to even test out these algorithmic business models. But the ones that are due, man, they're still using people and they're people too. Yeah. And and I think that's the emotional side where I get caught up is, you know, when someone's delivering DoorDash and thought that they got a $7 tip and that $7 doesn't come through because it was automatically adjusted in app. Fuck. Fuck that. Yeah, seriously. That hurts, man. Like the one time that you got a fat tip from a customer and then it was used as your guarantee base. That's when I know like we're we're hitting a point in morality in corporate culture where it's it's employing people is the most expensive thing that we can do but we ha- we're going to continue to have to make choices on this line of morality because if there's a person that can make $7 an hour because your algorithm is messed up even if they even if when they're choosing to do so you are you are duping them into do it. You are giving them a false promise, and and again, they're not they're people to you and me. I genuinely believe that they're not people to the people that are making these decisions. They're data points. Yeah, they are. They're. I don't care what culture you brand. We have dashers. We have this. And again, I use these companies, but they're data. They're data points, and they're data points where they will cost you less in the future 
And right now, this is what they cost, and it's going to get cheaper to us in the future. Think about Uber. When it first started, you couldn't tip on the app. It was part of the culture that they built. The culture was, this is so easy. This is the future of travel. You book a ride, shows up, you leave. You never have to tip. Don't think about pulling out your wallet. Don't think about money. You just book the trip. Takes you where you need to go and drops you off. And it right? was easier. And it was easier. It was absolutely easier. And so on the branded side of it, you think as a customer of Uber, you're like, damn, they must be paying their drivers well. This is cool. I don't have to think about it. I mean, I think I'm paying the right thing. Like the cost of this trip seems reasonable. What? You don't know any different, right? It seems somewhat adequate to like what a taxi cab would drive, what it would cost. And that's it. And then here comes Lyft. Lyft tries to change the model a little bit. You're like, you know what? You should be tipping your drivers. Right. And that kind of put Uber in a spot because when Lyft came on the scene, Lyft was they had the base pay for the ride and it had an option to tip like you should be tipping like this is just like a taxi, except you ordered it on your phone. When Uber came out and did that, when Uber first came on the scene without having a tip mentality, they were building the people into the process. Yeah. Like that is the culture that they came out with. It doesn't change now. Like, you don't, we're not, you're not more of a company. You're not more of a company for the people now. And you're going to continue to be less and less of it. Like, it's crazy. There's nothing, I, I don't see any other outcome with it. They're not going to like suddenly pay drivers a nice fat luxury unless there's a hiccup in finding the automated cars. Like, if they see some like fat hiccup or everyone in Uber, all the drivers suddenly get up and leave. Which they won't because, again, people are people. We have bills. Like, if I had to pay bills and I just needed to drive Uber, I get it. Like, I, I don't even have time to think if this is penciling at the end. If I'm getting $8 an hour, whatever my gas might be. You need it to cash flow. I need to do it. I need to do it. And that's what I'm guessing a shit ton of their recruitment is based on. These billboards that you see, base pay $500 a month from Uber, like, okay, cool, $500 a month, pencil that, cool, that, I mean, that'll pay my car payment, uh, that, a sliver of my rent and all that, like, fine, I'll do that while I figure out other shit, and then you just get caught in this cycle. You put that billboard in front of enough people, that's good marketing budget for Uber, Postmates, all them stuff, to like get you to the two, three years away from now where you don't need those people anymore. This is all bullshit in the interim. It's crazy. Like, and I, I feel you like, I think the difference between, and again, I don't think it's a difference actually, but like, yeah, the memory of paying your pizza dude from your local pizza spot who drove in the car from the pizza place or dropped it on. It's like, cool. If I'm throwing the dude a five or $10 tip, I generally know it's going into his pocket. I, and if it isn't, it's going to the mom and pop restaurant and they're figuring that out. But like, it was just so weird to be paying Amazon a tip in their app. Like it, that one felt, it felt offensive to me. It, DoorDash didn't feel as offensive. These companies, they're still young companies figuring it out in the grand scheme of it. Like Uber's not more than 10 years old, DoorDash, all this stuff. So they're still figuring it out. But Amazon, you have billions to try stuff and you're asking your customers to tip? Fuck off. You paid a tip. I mean, I Drop think, the mic. <laughs> I, think, I think we're coming to a point where what will a company do in this kind of internet app-driven co- economy 
to take as much market share as they can in the theoretical premise to be profitable while getting billion dollar plus valuation like unicorn unicorn plus valuations but the way they have to get there the way the sausage is made for these companies can be like pretty repugnant and i mean this is not the first time doordash has been embroiled in headlines right i mean in 2015 eli you wrote an article about how it was putting in and out the restaurant on its website it can be delivered because their theory was like we can send a driver to in and out and purchase food and deliver it for you and they knew that they also needed to have brands like in and out on the platform because that's what people wanted to eat like as much as it's great to have the local kebab place on your <laughs> On like your app is like in and out, baby. Double yeah. Double. If I know that I can get in and out delivered, and it's I don't have to sit in a twenty five minute like drive through line and do that whole thing. Oh well, I'm gonna tap into that culture and get people to download my app. But when you think about it, they were representing restaurant brands, not just in and out, in a way that the restaurant didn't want to be represented. If I don't think. Jeff's burger place, if your burger won't show up in the way that I think it should show up because it's being delivered 20 miles away, then I have the right to not try not to serve that. At least I feel that way personally. Like I think I should have that right so that because I'm the one who has to pick up the pieces on a one fucking star Yelp review. That was based on your platform picking up my food when I didn't want you to pick it up. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, that piggybacking on that Grubhub uh, not too long ago, this is almost a couple weeks ago, they were caught using thousands of fake websites. Like they were creating, They Grubhub owns something over 20,000 domain names that they like artificially purchase. And imagine it was like Eli's Kebab Shop that you're referencing. I appreciate that, Jeff. Eli's Kebab <laughs> Shop. And they would just buy the domain, Eli'sKebabShop.com. And then they would have their template put on it and it would look like an actual restaurant website with an order now that would take you to Grubhub. And Grubhub came out and was like, oh, look, like if the restaurants want the website, like we'll happily give it up. But like they didn't ask permission for any of these places. They just did it. It was just. They just represented these restaurants and and it's Grubhub or DoorDash. They're just representing restaurants to go after volume. They're doing seo style hacking mm -hmm. to like convince people like in the article that i was reading it was mentioning that uh it was an attempt to also convince people because sometimes uh the platform would be embedded onto the website and you wouldn't necessarily know like you would think that it's just ordering through the restaurant yeah they're private like, labeling without, it. without without the third party service and so people would feel good about like oh yeah like I, if i want to support the restaurant not add whatever the fees or whatever is like i can just order through that person's website false that website wasn't their own and dude that's and grubhub takes a 20 percent commission from those websites that they develop so if you go to the Grubhub hosted website and say eliskebabshop.biz was actually my website that I paid and had developed. And even if I used an order now feature, that commission is way less. But the ones that Grubhub were developing, 
if so, they're, they're that's owned by Grubhub, that one's taking a 20% rake. So they have to, they're inflating the prices. So imagine going to my kebab shop. I pride myself on my $5 shawarma sandwiches. And here your Grubhub website is charging like seven, eight, nine bucks. Damn, Eli's kebab shop charges a lot for these kebabs. They're not worth nine bucks. Like, yeah, I wasn't charging you nine bucks. Grubhub is. So I get that. And that's puts you in even weirder places as mom and pop. At least In-N-Out got lawyers. They got them shits on deck, bro. They got a bunch of Patrick Fraolis ready to fucking go. <laughs> Call in the armies. That's our lawyer. Shout out to Pat. Uh, but, but yeah. But that's what I mean is where like we're coming to a point where if we're going to say businesses, if the Supreme Court is going to say businesses are people, then will people have morality? And we're getting to this point where these these businesses are choosing to do things like misrepresenting restaurants to go after market share. And look, the business side of me, I fucking get it. Oh, Jeff's kebab place. You have a kebab spot now too? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Jeff, so Jeff, Jeff's kebab place has... We know people order it through the app, but doesn't have a domain at jeffskebabplace.com. And we know that we can get traffic through SEO. And that means I have to hire the web team that's going to build that basic website, integrate that platform, and make sure the menu is right as can be. Like, yeah, that's time and money that you're investing towards that tactic. The moral side of that tactic is bad. And so, yes, you get slapped on the wrist and you're like, yeah, well, we're charging 20% because we're giving these restaurants more exposure through the domains that we're buying and building that come at hard costs. But you're not fucking doing it with any permission. There's also no hard costs. That's the crazy thing. Like there's a little bit of developer time and that's what's crazy about tech morality sure is there's no hard costs to the company to the grub hubs and and those of that nature like you there's salary costs to a few really smart engineers those twenty thousand websites can be created in minutes sure one flick of a switch after the script is written and they could they could have done forty thousand could have done a hundred thousand they could do that in areas where they're not represented yet and get grubhub represented in those areas like it's at a flick of a switch and that's the big difference here is that like businesses restaurants as people they deal with people things tech companies work with tech shit so like it's it's not the same so this idea of like 3% commission versus 20% commission. That's how these companies become trillion dollar companies because they're making money out of thin air. Like there is no hard costs. Like there's not even server costs sometimes associated with some of these things. Like it's absolutely crazy. You wonder why a Apple's a trillion dollar company? Like, yeah, iPhones are in everyone's place. It's they print money through the iTunes store. They're selling you air. They're selling you digital air. Like that's the the podcast store, the the iTunes app store. Like they're charging rest. Like a Apple's at fault on some of this shit too. Like they charge Grubhub attacks to be on Apple. Yeah. Like so, uh, these tech companies are all fucking taking from you, like little by little. And there's like, oh, we have hard costs. We have liberty. yeah, but these people have real costs at the end. 
Restaurant owners have real fucking costs and they don't have deep pockets. They don't have the scalability. They don't have buttons to switch that magically make kebabs. No, I got to go to my purveyor. I got to buy the meat. I got to put it on the spit. I got to cook it for a couple hours. I got to pay the kids who are flipping it. I got to get the bags that it goes in when it goes out the door. And when the customer complains that like I... I raise my prices too much. I have to deal with that in real time and figure out if am I going to decrease my prices or do I need to make sure that like I can make a wage at these new prices. But if someone is taking your prices and then making them seem like they're more inflated than they are to build a model that you didn't say yes to, I have a pro- I have a problem with that. And I mean I'm in a position now where I feel like there's been kind of enough bad press that I've been around these companies. Like, I'm not going to use delivery service apps. Damn. I'm just not going to. And so we could talk at the end of this year after I haven't used a single delivery service app over the next like four months, but I'll take a stand right here. Like, I don't like what's happening. And the only way I can contribute to I don't like that is, cool, I won't use it. Yeah, and I'll probably cook more. I'll probably go out and pick up food more. But the the service has never been so stellar that I'm like, this is fucking game-changing. I'm like, oh, cool, I saved 15 minutes today. I can get two more emails out. Like, that's realistically what's happening. But if those two emails come at a cost of someone stressing the fuck out about my order, not finding my address, and then not receiving the fucking tip I give them, like, cool, I'll I'll, I'll go pick that shit up. If this was on Twitch, I would clip that. I like that. And guys, I'm very curious how you guys listening at home feel about this. Are me and Jeff in the minority on this? Are we in the majority of this? I'm just curious how you guys' experience, do any of you guys drive for any of these companies? Do you guys purchase using any of these companies? Let us know. DM us on Instagram, at foodbeast, at book of Eli with an E, at Jeffrey Kutnick. We wanna know. Leave them in the reviews on the podcast store, on, on Apple, on Spotify. Let us know. I'm very, very curious. And Jeff is no longer using delivery apps for the rest of this year. We're gonna see. We're gonna see how that pans out. And I, I think that's wild. I think that's cool. But let us know, guys. Appreciate you listening, Jeff. Any last uh, words? Yeah. Open invite for a founder of any delivery app to come talk to us about the mm. good that they're pushing onto this world that I'm not aware of. And so, like, I, you know, if you if you again, I I don't know everything. I. I know enough to where I feel some type of way and I'm going to react to it. Um, I'm happy to hear the contrarian view of what you guys are doing. So I, I would love, I would love to host any, any one of you guys. Um, yeah, y'all aren't welcome here, but I'll be, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can do that one yourself. Jeff. No, I'm just kidding. Eli's, I really would Eli's like to Eli's gone to Europe over the next two weeks. We have some open slots where I am open. <laughs> no, nah, for real though. You are welcome to come through. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you guys. This has been Eli, Jeff, and the voice of producer Izzy. What's up, Izzy? What up? All right. You guys have a beautiful week. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Adios. <laughs>